BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. So true story, last year I was doing Pilates at Forma with my friend Ashley and we were talking to our instructor Elizabeth about sleep and sleep issues and not being able to fall asleep and stay asleep. And Elizabeth was like, you guys need to try this magnesium from Moon Juice called Magnesium. And she said, it's incredible. There's nothing else like it. So we both went out and bought it. And the next class we were like, okay, yeah, that actually really works. So my issue is always staying asleep. Like I can fall asleep, but I wake up really early, sometimes around 4 a.m. where it's kind of late enough. So I know that I have to wake up soon and then I just toss and turn and eventually I just get out of bed. And it's kind of the worst because it really affects the entire day. And that never happens when I take this moon juice magnesium. It's like this full body calm where even if I do wake up for a minute to pee or something in the middle of the night, I fall right back asleep. Like my brain doesn't turn on and I don't get that restless feeling. It is absolutely amazing. So magnesium is your nightcap for relaxation and sleep. It's different from a lot of magnesiums on the market because it has three bioavailable forms of magnesium and L-theanine. It has delicious flavors. I love the berry. It has zero sugar. You just take one teaspoon in water every night or when you need to chill. And it has so many benefits. So the different forms of magnesium support different things. One supports muscle relaxation. Another supports cognitive function. It can even help alleviate mild PMS bloating, which we love. Another kind supports regularity. And then, of course, the L-theanine promotes alpha wave activity in the brain for that really calm feeling. So you get regularity, relaxation, sleep, brain health, even some PMS symptom alleviation. So it's so amazing. It is also vegan, keto, non-GMO, and gluten-free. All of the ingredients are 100% traceable, third-party tested, and bioavailable. And it's available in glass jars and with 100% backyard compostable refill patches. So definitely check it out. I know you guys will love this. You can head to moonjuice.la slash blonde and use the code blonde at checkout for 20 percent off. Again, that's moonjuice.la slash blonde and use the code blonde at checkout for 20% off. Welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there's so much information out there, so I'm bringing on expert guests and sharing my own experiences to help you sift through all the wellness stuff without the BS. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. And do I have a good show for you? In fact, I have two shows on this topic of hormones. So today and then next week, I have part two where we do a lot of specific questions. We take some listener questions and we really get into the fine details of hormones, but we get into a lot of that today as well. So let me rewind a little bit. I'm talking to Dr. Jordan Geller. 
He is somebody that I wanted to have on the show for such a long time. And I'm so grateful that I got him on two separate days for multiple hours to give you guys the ultimate hormone episodes. So I've had many people who treat hormones and look at hormones from physicians who practice internal medicine to people who practice women's health, OBGYNs, things like that. But I've never had an endocrinologist on the show. So Dr. Geller is a dual board certified physician. He earned his medical degree from the University of Southern California. He completed a postdoctoral fellowship at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in LA, as well as an NIH fellowship in clinical research. He was the past clinical chief of the Division of Endocrinology, Diabetes, and Metabolism at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center. Dr. Geller has lectured at National Symposia and authored numerous publications in the field of endocrinology. And he, like I said, is dual board certified in endocrinology, diabetes and metabolism and internal medicine. And he's on staff at Cedars-Sinai in LA and Jupiter Medical Center in Palm Beach. He manages complex hormonal disorders at his offices in LA, Palm Beach, and through telemedicine consultations in New York. So There was so much to get into, which again, it's why we broke it into two episodes. Today's episode is very comprehensive. We do an overview of what exactly hormones are. I think when people think hormones, they often think reproductive hormones or things like testosterone, progesterone, and estrogen. But there are so many hormones in the body and we discuss what they are, how they function, And we talk a lot about how our lifestyle affects our hormones. Dr. Geller is very passionate about the fact that rarely does he see a true hormone imbalance or disorder that originates in a gland. He argues that most of it is lifestyle. So we talk about where to start when treating hormone imbalances, different manifestations of hormone imbalances. He explains a lot in this episode about endocrine disruptors. So he kind of walks us through the day and all of the different endocrine disruptors that we encounter, how they influence our hormones, and how to make simple, realistic changes in our lifestyle and in our diets and in our products that we use and all of that. So this is not fear-mongering. He is just giving us the facts and then we can choose how we want to incorporate these things in our lives. He's very realistic about the fact that, you know, we live in this modern world. We are encountering these things all throughout our lives. And so we just make modifications where we can, where it is, you know, again, realistic for us and that's going to be different for everybody. So We talk about the pillars of health that contribute to hormone health, and then he has some great natural interventions to improve hormone-related issues. We talk about acne and other skin conditions that are related to hormone imbalances. We talk about stress and trauma and hormones. We talk about alcohol. We talk about Ozempic and just so many fascinating topics. I think you guys are going to love this episode. And again, come back next week where we get into a lot of specifics. And next week, we also talk about things like PCOS and endometriosis and thyroid issues and all of that. So please enjoy Dr. Jordan Geller. Welcome, Dr. Geller. Great to be here. Really excited to have you here. You have been on my list of dream guests for a long time. I think I first heard you on Lipstick on the Rim a couple years ago, if I'm correct. Probably, you did one yeah. a while back, right? Yeah, we've done a and couple of them now. done some subsequently. Yeah. But we've been talking a little bit before you came to record. And, you know, we've been talking about how hot of a topic hormones are and how prevalent, quote unquote, hormone issues <laughs> seem to be. And when I put up a question box for you on Instagram stories telling people that you were coming on, I was just inundated with questions. We're going to do a really comprehensive (laughs) episode, maybe two parts. But to start, why don't you just introduce yourself to the audience a little bit, tell them a little bit about yourself, and then we'll just 
briefly go over like what exactly are hormones? <laughs> Got it. All right. Well, thanks so much for having me. I love talking about this stuff, as you know. I am a native Angelino, grew up here. I did my training at um, USC Keck School of Medicine and then Cedar sinai is where I did my fellowship and postdoctoral training and ended up kind of through a circuitous route. I had a really good mentor and ended up in endocrinology. It's a long story I won't bore you with. But turned out, you know, it's a really interesting field that I didn't appreciate it at the time, all that was, you know, to happen. And it just seems like not only does everybody have hormones, but everybody seems to have a hormone problem these days. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it was kind of an older stuffy field. There's sort of this myth of, or not a myth, this like stereotypical, like old white guy in a bow tie, sort of professorial type of endocrinology. And now it's just, you know, a hot upcoming field, as you know, and I'm really you know, happy to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like there are a lot of people who are not endocrinologists who are treating hormones. You just gave me a look. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a blessing and a curse. And honestly, uh -huh. that's, you know, that's a reflection, I think of like the failure of medicine, like mm. just kind of sticking their head in the sand. And again, this sort of traditional conservative medical paradigm where, you know, if something is not, you know, black and white and obvious on a blood test and available as a pharmaceutical that it just doesn't get the attention and i think that really opened up the you know door for so many non-medical practitioners which is fine i'm not opposed to you know people who legitimately want to help others as long as it's done you know in a safe way mm -hmm. but there's a lot of quacks out there too and yes. people need to be careful yes and i think it's hard for the layman to navigate and know who to trust who's legitimate and who is not, but I'm curious how your approach to endocrinology has changed, if at all, since you started your practice. And if you've seen people's hormones changing, essentially, maybe as a result of this modern world that we live in and the things that we're exposed to. Absolutely. I mean, my practice has definitely changed, probably because I've just become so much open, more open-minded. And honestly, I've learned a lot from my patients. A lot of what I and what I've learned didn't come from medical school or from, you know, the postdoctoral research and work that I did. It was learning on the job as a, and, you know, I'm constantly researching literature and papers and, and learning from my patients. With endocrinology, I think what's really important when I see a patient who has a complaint is the first thing I need to decide is like, is this like a significant like medical problem or is this something that's more, you know, lifestyle, like an imbalance related thing? And that's sort of the first thing my mind always goes to. Okay, let's rule out like serious stuff that could be, you know, cancers or other, you know, serious things. And then we could start to go down the path of, you know, hormone balancing, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's just quickly define hormones. Like what are hormones? Because I think a lot of people think hormones, estrogen, progesterone, but right. really there are so many more, right? I mean, there's hundreds, perhaps thousands of hormones that are still being discovered um, in our body. But basically, think of a hormone as like a chemical messenger. It, it gets secreted from one gland, one part of our body, and it travels to another where it acts. So it's just a chemical messenger. And we have lots of glands in our body that make hormones, such as the adrenal glands people may have heard of, or of course, the ovaries or testicles, the pituitary gland, thyroid gland. But, you know, our gut makes hormones, for example. So there's big systems, you know, our skin can manufacture hormones. They're, they're made everywhere. And, you know, one of the biggest things that I have seen in my practice, you asked me, what have I noticed changing over the years? Besides the awareness of, you know, hormone imbalances, just there's such an increased prevalence, especially with autoimmunity, which can affect, you know, thyroid and other hormones. And we're really starting to see the effects of like lifestyle, toxins, stress, chemicals, diet, how it affects hormones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the stress component. I was diagnosed with PCOS in my early 20s, and then I had a lot of gut issues later down the line. And I was told that, you know, we really couldn't address like the reproductive hormones without addressing the stress and the gut issues because that influences the reproductive hormones. Everything is interconnected. So have you seen that a lot as well? Gut issues, stress, all of that kind of trickling down to everything else. Absolutely. Stress, you know, that the whole definition of stress is like, you know, our body's um, response to change. And, you know, that, that fight or flight stress system that I know you've spoken about with other guests, particularly the, 
I forget her name that did the podcast on gut bacteria and probiotics. Anyways. Tina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was a really good episode, Thank by you. the way. <laughs> Stress is an ancient, you know, pathway that causes modern problems. And I, you know, again, I know this has been repeated before, but this sort of fight or flight system that was designed to get us out of an immediate situation of like being chased by a buffalo or something. Nowadays, you know, we're chronically stressed from work or from pandemic or being in traffic or from any myriad of things. And because of that, the cortisol stress hormone and our adrenaline are constantly activated. These are hormones that were meant to be like spiked up for an hour or two, not constant. And what our body does when it's under stress is it downregulates a lot of the other what are deemed non-essential hormones. So that's why when cortisol is high, women will stop getting their periods or they'll get dis- irregular. You know, men's testosterone goes down from stress. It's the body's way of trying to protect itself from reproducing during a time when it's, you know, not safe to do so. But we see other problems, you know, blood sugar goes up and diabetes worsens, the immune system crashes. People gain weight when they're stressed, their sleep gets messed up, which then of course causes all sorts of other hormone problems. So stress definitely leads to a cascade of negative hormone effects, no question about it. I am going to Paris next week. And when I went this time last year, I had a little bit of a packing debacle. So I packed my suitcase to the brim. And then when I got there, I did a lot of shopping and I basically couldn't close my suitcase. And I went down to Normandy and I was in an area where I couldn't really find any luggage anywhere. It was a whole thing. So this year I am not making that mistake again. And I'm sure you guys have been there too, trying to fit everything we think we might need for a trip only to end up with a suitcase bursting at the seams. So with base, there is room for everything. I am so excited. This has been such a game changer for me because there really isn't comparable luggage out there that's made so thoughtfully, especially at their price point. So they really have thought of everything you could ever want in a piece of luggage. 360 degree gliding wheels, a cushioned handle, built-in weight indicator. This is huge for overpackers like myself. They have washable bags for your dirty clothes, all the interior pockets that you need to keep organized. They also have luggage that comes in multiple sizes and colors. For shorter trips, the Weekender bag is super functional. I bring this with me to New York all the time because I will leave my big luggage at my apartment and then I'll take the Weekender bag if I take the train to go visit my family or something. It even has a place to store shoes separately. It's super intentionally designed and so functional. Every piece is made to look better with miles so you don't have to worry about it in cargo or overhead. And Base has over 30,000 five-star reviews. So whether you're packing for a quick trip or looking to breeze through the security line, Base has your personal items covered. And right now, Base is offering my listeners 15% off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com slash blonde. Go to basetravel.com slash blonde. That's B-E-I-S travel.com slash blonde for 15% off your first purchase. I know you guys are going to love this. Again, basetravel.com slash blonde. We are talking a lot about stress in this episode and how much stress can affect our hormones, but it doesn't just affect hormones. If you are stuck in the middle of a stress storm, not only can it be overwhelming, but it's not just your mind that suffers when you're feeling tense and anxious. Stress can also make a mess of your digestion and your immune system. But here's the thing, your life doesn't have to be a constant downpour. So with Just Calm, the breakthrough new stress soothing formula from Just Thrive, you can say goodbye to frazzled nerves and hello to a steady, serene, more relaxed you. I had Tina Anderson on my show recently. Definitely go back and check out that episode. I think we even reference it in this episode with Dr. Geller, but she explains all of the science that supports this product. It's pretty incredible. Just Calm's proprietary mood lifting blend is clinically proven to help you hit the relaxation jackpot in as little as four weeks. And for next level mood TLC, there's also Just Thrive Probiotic. You guys know I love this. This is a spore probiotic that 
helps to banish bloat and constipation. So your gut can produce more serotonin, which is your happy hormone. Plus it supports better sleep so you can wake up feeling refreshed and revitalized. So with Just Calm and Just Thrive Probiotic, you basically have the ultimate stress-fighting duo to help you feel cool, collected, and in control. So right now, the Blonde Files listeners can save a whopping 30% on the first month of a subscription, lock-in member pricing, and free shipping for life. This is incredible. And score some amazing freebies along the way. So take control of your best health today with Just Thrive. Visit justthrivehealth.com and use the promo code Blonde Files. Again, that's justthrivehealth.com. The code is Blonde Files for 30% off on the first month of a subscription, member pricing, and free shipping for life. Hi, my name is Morgan Cohen. I'm a 25-year-old girl that's still trying to figure out life just like everyone else. I'm starting this podcast to make sense out of all the messes I've made in my life. And believe me, when I say I've made countless amounts of messes in these last 25 years. On the Morgan B. Cohen Show, we will talk about everything people are too scared to say out loud, anywhere from falling in love with the wrong person, surrounding yourself with the wrong people, bad friendships, friendship struggles. You know that feeling when you want to throw a party, but you don't know if anyone will show up? Well, that's how I feel right now. So if you are here, welcome to the party. I know you'll have a great time. I've had other doctors on the show who have talked about hormones kind of being downstream where some of these other things are more upstream. Is that your belief as well? Is that kind of what you're saying there? Yeah, absolutely. That, Mm -hmm. you know, the hormone is not the problem often. It's just Mm -hmm. the symptom, like the hormone imbalance is the symptom of something Mm -hmm. else. And so I often tell my patients partially to reassure them, but also because it's true, you know, like 90% of the time, when I see somebody with a hormone imbalance, it's not that they have a disease in their gland or a tumor or an autoimmune, although certainly we've seen all that, it's that something else is screwing up your hormones. Mm -hmm. And that something else most likely is stress or poor diet or some other lifestyle. And increasingly, I'm convinced 100% that it's these endocrine disruptors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm scared to delve into this topic because I'm sure I'm dousing myself in endocrine disruptors day and night. I have a really healthy lifestyle, but you know, I feel like some of these things are unavoidable. So I'm really interested to have you kind of walk us through a day of endocrine disruptors. When I think of them, I think of, you know, beauty products and my perfume that I'm spraying on myself and and inhaling probably and environmental toxins, right? And household products and things like that. But you had the great idea of kind of starting in the morning and let's just walk through day to night and talk about some of the things that we are encountering that can influence our hormones. Absolutely. And it's it's scary. Like as I was preparing for this talk and you and I spoke the other day, that's the more I thought about it, it's literally is, you know, we do spend the day with endocrine disruptors. And it's not that, you know, unfortunately we cannot avoid them hundred percent. You know, my goal is really just to educate people so they can make the best choices throughout their day as to what they can eliminate or substitute Mm -hmm. and be aware. And, you know, those things that we can change, change, and those that we want to just continue, that's cool. That's someone's choice, you know, Mm -hmm. but you know, like I'm not letting go of my perfume. (laughs) So in the morning, you know, you wake up, somebody wakes up and brushes their teeth, which is like a really healthy habit everybody does. But there's an endocrine disruptor called triclosan. It's an anti-bacterial like bacterial agent that's in toothpaste, which disrupts our hormones. The plastic, you're going to hear plastic as a recurring theme in my talk, but mm-hmm. plastic, you know, is in toothbrushes or plastic in the bristles. And some people will substitute bamboo now, apparently is available. Mm-hmm. And certainly there's healthier products Floss, dental floss has phthalates, uh, which is a plasticizer and may have antibacterial chemicals that are bad. So just brushing our teeth from the minute we get up is a problem. I'm already fucked. Right. (laughs) Did you say it was triclosan? Yeah. Is that in like generic kind of brand name, big, big toothpaste? You can find it in like toothpaste (laughs) and other like, you know, cosmetic products you'll see it in. Oh no. (laughs) And, you know, there's a lot of these, these chemicals. They're hard to remember. They're hard to pronounce. I try to use the analogy for my patients to learn to read a label 
on a skincare product like we do in the market. You know, mm -hmm. no one, everyone knows now how to go read a label on a, on a, you know, carton of Greek yogurt or something. And we need to learn, by the way, I'm glad that's metal and not plastic. Thank you. <laughs> I know this is my small <laughs> win for the day. <laughs> so, okay. So we brush our teeth. What else? You know, skincare, unfortunately is just loaded with these products, particularly a chemical called phthalates, um, which are used to sort of give substance to some of these products. Um, you know, the skin is like a really great way to get good and bad things into our body. We use it for medications. If you think of certain acne medicines or topical steroids or sunscreen or, you know, hormone, bioidentical hormones. So the skin is, is a fatty um, substance that is really accessible to the interior of our body. But unfortunately, mm -hmm. bad things can get in there too. I never really think about it that way. I only <laughs> think about the good things. Like right. one of the things that I have tried for my hormone imbalance was topical progesterone. What is the efficacy of that? So topical progesterone is generally safe and mm -hmm. can be effective. It may not be as effective at protecting the uterus lining, the endometrium and someone who's on hormone replacement with estrogen. Mm -hmm. But if you're just using it for its progesterone purpose, it's it's fine. I didn't find that I had the the nice progesterone feeling. Yeah, you that. may need to take I have very low progesterone so i can always tell like now i'm digressing but the period in my cycle where it's raised because i feel amazing mm -hmm. i feel normal slash amazing like just more calm and i'm sleeping better and all that yeah. i didn't feel that with the topical that's my point it doesn't always get the absorption that's one thing about the skin too is like the absorption of hormones or medicine can can really be variable depending on the concentration or the vehicle in which they make it. So there may be a gel or a cream, but then there's also many different nuances to how mm -hmm. the compounding pharmacies make up these things. Mm -hmm. If you have other products on your skin, it may affect how something's absorbed. There's right. a lot of factors. We can move out of the bathroom for a minute and maybe <laughs> go down to the kitchen, right? And cook, like nonstick cookware is a really common uh, source of endocrine disruptors, these chemicals called um, PFAS. It's an easy one to eliminate by getting a, you know, regular pan that doesn't have that coating on it. Stainless steel. Yeah, stainless steel, which is a pain in the ass at first, you know, but you can learn to work with it. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, they've done good studies showing non-stick cookware like accelerates the onset of menopause mm. in women. Like there's wow. good evidence for that. A cutting block, a cutting board in our kitchen that a lot of them are plastic or nylon. So you get little like micro shavings of plastic in your food when you slice your food on it. So just using a wood cutting board. Obviously, plastic, you know, our food is all in plastic in the fridge. That's nothing that we can control mostly. Mm -hmm. How it's, you know, what it comes in at the store, if you're fortunate to find something that's in paper or, but that's, that's a problem, you know, the food that's in plastic. And if we're in the grocery store, should we not use the little plastic baggies for produce? <laughs> Aside from the impact that they have on the environment, yeah, but is that enough exposure to the food to get microplastics? Probably not. Okay. To be honest with you, it's probably not the contact of it unless it was sitting in a hot car for mm -hmm. some length of time. But yeah. yeah, the environmental part. Anyway, by the way, I always say shop in the periphery of the supermarket. The mm -hmm. deeper you go, the worse it gets. <laughs> anyway. Unless you're at Air One. Exactly. <laughs> then you're safe. So, you know, the kitchen, the cookware, the plastics, moving on throughout the day, like fragrances in, in cleaning products. You know, cleaning products themselves are full of toxins of endocrine disruptors. That's not to say there's not healthier alternatives because for all of these things, there are healthier alternatives. Mm -hmm. But fragrances also can be endocrine disruptors. Let's say, you know, it's mid-morning and someone's going off to their yoga or Pilates class. The, I'm not going to name any particular brands, but, you know, yoga wear sheds like microfibers of plastic and that gets into our environment. And in fact, all of us are said to ingest about a credit card of plastic a week now. A week? A week. And they've done studies. Oh my God. Uh, I gave a fun talk called Your Fantastic Plastic Poop a couple <laughs> years ago. And it was about all of this that when they look at our stools, we all have microplastics in our stool now. Wow. Yeah. So we're ingesting it. It's getting in. So it's, you know, shed from, you know, yoga wear. It's, it's in dust in our homes. So again, having like really good air purifier systems changing the filters in your home. These are all little things that we can do throughout the day mm -hmm. that can make a difference. And actually studies have shown when people start to eat organic, and we haven't even talked about that yet, mm -hmm. when they eat organic, 
when they eliminate a lot of these products and BPA and plastic water bottles and whatever, their levels change in their body and they're healthier. What in, what hormones do the plastics influence the most? All of them? I was going to say all of like them. It's not like just one, like estrogen no, or something. Th- thyroid and estrogen are the biggest ones. Okay. Um, but, you know, they, they can actually mimic estrogen, which some people would think would be a good thing, but it's not. If you're a man or if you're a boy developing mm-hmm. or if you're an animal, and that's how so many of these endocrine disruptors actually first were discovered. It's actually a really interesting story. Back in like the 1920s, farmers had noticed that some of their animals were having like fertility problems. And there was a mold infestation that caused the, they're called mycoestrogens. They're basically like where endocrine disrupting chemicals growing in the, in the animal food. So that was a discovery. And then they discovered, you know, um, pesticides were causing harm to their animals. And then there was this famous book called Silent Spring, which came out, which had to do with the effect of DDT on wildlife. And so this has been an evolving story. Actually, even though endocrine disruptors are a hot topic now, because, you know, it never really mattered if it was affecting farming, but God forbid, like, you know, if people are getting breakouts and like irregular periods, yeah. now it's <laughs> it's yeah. top of the list. I was going to ask though, why does it seem like there is pushback from people regarding this, you know, people who say like, well, it's the dose that makes the poison. And, you know, these are tested so heavily before anybody can use them. And you do kind of hear both sides of it. Right. And I'm really glad you brought up the dose is the poison. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about that. So I think part of the problem is that this is a, it's a silent issue. Like you don't mm-hmm. really feel it. If you, if I go drink out of a plastic bottle, I'm not going to feel poorly right now. Mm-hmm. So it's a silent issue that sort of accumulates over many, many years. The chemicals get stored in our fat cells and slowly released, whatever the endocrine disruptor chemical is, that's sort of a general you know, pattern that they follow. So it's something that accumulates over a long period of time that we don't feel bad from immediately. And it's, let's face it, it's a pain in the ass to like avoid these things. It's mm-hmm. not easy. Any of the things you and I just discussed, not to mention eating organic, which is really expensive for a lot of people and not an option, but that's a huge source of these chemicals, the pesticides and atrazine, which turns, you know, frogs into female frogs. And that's a chemical in strawberries and pesticides. Just one example. But getting back to your your comment about the dose makes the poison. So traditionally, it was always felt that, you know, the higher the level of a toxin, the worse it was for us. That kind of seems intuitively to make sense. But it turns out with endocrine disruptors, they may follow something, and I don't want to get too technical here. It's called non-monotonicity. And I ba- like technical. My okay. audience likes technical. Okay, too. I know you have a smart audience because <laughs> a lot of them are my patients. Yeah. <laughs> and I've listened to your podcast and I know that you have a, a special you know, group you. of people out there. Yeah, we like the science. So basically non-monotonicity refers to the fact that sometimes at a low dose, a chemical can have a really potent effect. And at a high dose, it may not. Hmm. So that general concept of a linearity where just the higher the worse is not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. And part of the problem with endocrinology that makes it difficult is we have a hormone. It sort of works like a, a key going into a lock. So the hormone is what we can measure in the blood or what we can take as a supplement or whatnot. But we can't analyze the receptor, like how sensitive you are to your hormones to you know how sensitive your receptors are. There's mm-hmm. just not like a, a a laboratory technique that we can use in everyday. I mean, they do that in research, but so somebody may have like a normal level of a hormone in their body, but have like a receptor that's not sensitive to it and they feel mm-hmm. like crap. Mm-hmm. They may have a low level of a toxin in their system, but their sense the receptor is really sensitive to that. So we can't just rely on the dose makes the poison anymore. And we mm-hmm. have to really just do our best to avoid this stuff. We all test positive for BPA in our urine. They've done tests around the country. You and I and everybody in this building would probably have a positive BPA. Mm-hmm. But the levels can go down if we eliminate plastics and canned foods and you know thermal receipts and those kind of exposures. Mm-hmm. So the take-home message is like we do the best we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious about how you incorporate this into your life. Was there a point when you started learning more about this and you started making small changes or have you always been cognizant of this and and tried to, you know, not use plastic and cook on stainless steel and 
be aware of phthalates and things like that. I mean, I have to credit my wife and kids for this, for uh-huh. the for the actual changes that are in our you know daily life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I brought this knowledge home, and basically, you know, in my practice, I would see a lot of young women with hormone imbalances, whether it was irregular periods or unexplained weight gain or skin, hair, et cetera. And we would check their hormones and their hormones would be normal. Hmm. And so you're scratching your head thinking there must be something else. What other variable out there are we not catching? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I started researching more about these endocrine disruptors and you know, being convinced that this is the reason why we see so many problems. So you know, my wife and I have always lived a healthy lifestyle, but you know, we talk and, and we, we make changes at home and, and, you know, I have, I have two daughters and so I'm really hyper aware of this stuff. And, you know, my girls are really smart. Like they can go to a skincare product and look on the label and know if it's good or bad. Mm. How old are they? 17 and 20. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very blessed. So we make changes at home, but that's mm-hmm. not to say we're perfect. I don't live like some hippie up in Topanga. Mm-hmm. Like there's plenty of bad things in my home, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we just do the best we can. But I think, you know, the big categories are plastics, plastic water bottles. Like these are the big exposures people get with BPA, which is mm-hmm. like the poster child chemical. Mm-hmm. So that's big one, eating organic. And again, I recognize this is not practical for a lot of people, mm-hmm. or at least trying to eat organic certain foods that are more like, like you know, berries and things that are going to be more exposed to pesticides. Mm-hmm. And then your skincare products, which <laughs> I know you're going to glare at me about. <laughs> but there's all there's healthier options, you know, for skincare. It can be hard to find dog food that is healthy, easy to store, easy to serve, something that your dog actually loves and makes a difference in their health and in their life and their vitality and all of that. But Sundays checks all of those boxes. So Sundays for Dogs is air-dried dog food made from a short list of human-grade ingredients. It was co-founded by a practicing veterinarian. It contains 90% meat, 10% vegetables, and zero synthetic nutrients. And unlike other fresh dog food, Sundays is zero prep, zero mess, and zero stress. It's shelf-stable, which makes it really easy to feed your dog top-quality food. And besides USDA beef and all-natural chicken, you'll find digestive aids like pumpkin and ginger so they can live that wellness life. And it has disease-fighting antioxidants. And a lot of dog parents report noticeable health improvements in their dogs, including softer fur, fresher breath, more energy. I posted a picture of Harvey the other day, and he got a lot of compliments. His coat is looking extra shiny, extra floofy. Basically, he's living his best life and he loves this food so much and we love feeding it to him so much. So we worked out a special deal for my dog loving listeners. You can get 35% off your first order of Sundays. You just go to sundaysfordogs.com slash blonde or use the code blonde at checkout. That's S-U-N-D-A-Y-S-F-O-R-D-O-G-S dot com forward slash blonde. Upgrade your pup to Sundays and feel good about the food you feed your dog. Like a lot of people in the summer, my schedule has been a little bit crazy. And as much as I love cooking, it is just so hard sometimes when I have a really busy week to find the time to do the shopping and do the prep and do the actual cooking. So I rely on Saqqara during these times. They are my absolute favorite meal delivery that there is. In fact, there's so much more than just a meal delivery program. Sakara is basically a nutrition program that's like having a nutritionist and a chef in one because their meals are expertly designed to support your wellness goals, whether that's weight management or clear skin or boosted energy. And they are so delicious. I always tell you guys this, but you have to go check out their website and you can look at the menu for next week. So I took a peek because I definitely need this. I'm getting ready to travel and I do not have time to plan for my trip and pack and work and cook. So they have these cacao chip almond waffles. Their breakfasts are 
my favorite. They're so good. They have five herb pesto pasta. They have this Georgia peach parfait that looks amazing. Really vibrant bowls and salads. They have a really good smoothie bowl that looks incredible and so much more. So definitely go check that out. And not only does Sakara bring expertly designed organic nutrition programs to your door, they also have wellness essentials and their science-backed ready-to-eat meals deliver results that you can see and feel from, like I said, weight management to eased bloat to boosted energy and clearer skin. And right now, Sakara is offering my listeners 20% off your first order if you go to sakara.com slash blonde or enter the code blonde at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash blonde to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash blonde. I've been getting a lot of questions about my hair lately. It is very long right now. And you guys know that I, full transparency, do use some extensions just in the back for length, but the overall health of my hair is so much better now than it ever has been. And I do things internally to support that. And then I am also really focusing on the quality of the products that I'm using on my hair and not just my hair, but my scalp too. Scalp health makes such a difference in hair health. So finding a product that actually works and a product that is made with clean ingredients, because as we're talking about in this episode, we do encounter so many potentially harmful ingredients in our beauty products. Finding both of those things is essential. So with Vegamore, I get all of that. Vegamore is made with clean ingredients and it's super effective. It really helps my hair to be visibly thicker, fuller, shinier. Every cute bottle of Vegamore products are 100% cruelty-free and never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. So Vegamore has these value kits that I love, like the Grow Essentials Kit, where you get to try more than one product at a great saving. So you can sign up for a monthly subscription and save more. You'll never run low on the products you need to take care of your hair. And you can be consistent. Consistency is key. I use Vegamore Grow Hair Serum daily and my hair and my scalp are flourishing. And a fun fact, Vegamore sells one product of Grow Serum every 15 seconds on their website. That's how good this stuff is. So give your hair the power of the little pink bottle with Vegamore. For a limited time, Blonde Files listeners get 20% off their first order by going to vegamore.com slash blonde and using the code blonde at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash blonde. And the code is blonde to save 20% on your first order. Vegamore.com slash blonde, code blonde. I went on this skincare journey last, I think it was July, when out of nowhere, I got acne. Never had acne in my life. Well, I had some breakouts and I mean like very sporadic breakouts when I was like 14. And so they just went, oh, here's birth control as they did back then. And I'm sure they still do that now. And then I never had skin issues. I went off that a couple of years later and yeah, just out of nowhere last summer it popped up. So I was like, give me the Band-Aid, the Spironolactone. Right. <laughs> And then I, I prescribe that all the time, by the way. Yeah. So. And I want to talk about the meds and all of that. We'll get to that either today or maybe in a part two. But and then I went on this very involved skincare routine, which really did change my skin for the better. Who you knows? make a really good point. Like the skin, I always say like the skin is just a manifestation of like what's going on inside. Yes. Right. So yeah. the fact that your periods were irregular as well, mm-hmm. is, you know, kind of backs that up. Yeah. Right. And I kind of felt like, OK, I'm going to do this do the spironolactone, do the skincare, and then I'm going to do some investigating and figure out what's going on. And I started down that road, but it's a marathon. It's hard. You got to be patient. And there are certain things that I was not necessarily looking at, like the plastics and, you know, the things that I'm exposing myself to. I think it's sometimes easier to just look at the diet, look at the exercise, look at the sleep, do the medication, the skincare, and then turn a blind eye to the rest of it. (laughs) Well, it is, it can be overwhelming, like you said, you know, and 
skin especially because it's it's so many different factors it's our diet of course and mm -hmm. it's genetics and it's our hormones and it's you know chemicals so that's a good example like if there's a endocrine disruptor out there that acts like testosterone for example mm -hmm. in your body then that could potentially cause someone to have more breakouts mm -hmm. or signs of excess testosterone or hair loss in a male hair pattern or body hair excess those sort of things but they may test normal for testosterone Interesting. That, that's just one example but you know there are there are good you know natural protocols too that help clear up skin you know there's good evidence for zinc and for probiotics and mm -hmm. I'm sure you know about all this stuff but mm -hmm. your skin looks great today thank you are there certain endocrine disruptors that affect like individual hormones like that? Or is there something out there that does just affect testosterone, that does just affect estrogen? I mean, there are some that are, you know, noted more like phthalates, for example. There's a great book out there called Countdown, and it's about the decline in sperm counts. Mm. And the, the sperm count has declined by about 50% in men. This is Whoa. not a joke. And, and how long of a period? And, and, and I think like the past couple decades, actually, it's crazy. And they attribute it to phthalates, which have a profound effect on testosterone. And atrazine, which is one of those pesticides, affects our sex hormones. So, and BPA can affect thyroid, but it's it's rare. Just like, you know, how one hormone may have many different actions in our body, one chemical can affect many different hormones. So we've kind of walked through the morning, we've gone to yoga class. What about the afternoon Botox appointment? <laughs> Um, I mean, Botox, I don't think of as an endocrine disruptor. Okay, great. <laughs> so there's probably something about it. I don't know. I haven't, mm -hmm. honestly, I haven't really looked into it, but mm -hmm. it doesn't come across the radar. And fillers and things like that. To be determined. I mean, I've seen, you know, react, certainly local autoimmune reactions with fillers. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you look at breast implant illness, which again, another great <laughs> podcast you did, mm -hmm. we can talk about that as well. No, that's not. I just got mine a year ago. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, these, you know, these inert chemicals probably it's more just in certain susceptible people that those mm -hmm. those chemicals cause a problem right unlike the endocrine disruptors we've talked about which get literally into our gut and, and we drink them and eat them and mm. you know as opposed to like a filler but i haven't looked into it that much mm -hmm. you said something interesting earlier where you said you know people will be exposed to all of these things and have manifestations of hormone imbalances whether that's not having a period or myriad other symptoms which we could talk about and then they go get their hormones tested and they're all normal right. so these really are silent influencers <laughs> essentially i mean they can't there are tests that you can actually do for these endocrine disruptors mm -hmm. there, there's some companies out there that are offering these i guess the issue is whether they're there or not the recommendation is still going to be the same like if you tested negative for bpa i'd still tell you don't go drinking out of plastic bottles mm -hmm. so i often think of like we should order a test if we're going to do something with that information. Mm -hmm. So yes, it can be. There are there are companies now that can test for it, and I've had some patients who we have sent them out to do those tests, and it demonstrates to them, you know, this is a toxin in my body, and then they start to make changes, and we retest them six months or a year later, and those levels are lower, and that's awesome, you mm -hmm. know, to be able. So yeah, it is nice to be able to have a marker, but this is one of the problems of endocrine disruptors is. They hide out. They're in very, very small quantities, even in our, you know, in our body, and they may get released over, you know, many, many years and mm -hmm. affect fertility or weight or some other symptom down the line. Mm -hmm. What do you, you see the most in your practice? I mean, if you can say, like, what is the average patient that comes to see you dealing with? I would say it's typically, you know, young women. Let's say college age to you know, menopausal. Um, so it's a pretty broad spectrum. And as you know, at every stage of our lives, we have different, you know, hormones of importance. But, and I see men also, I see men who have low testosterone and those issues, but the typical person is usually struggling with irregular periods, weight gain, oftentimes skin, skin issues as well. There's usually sort of a trifecta. Mm -hmm. But what I often try to tell my patients is that these are often just all different manifestations of one issue. Mm -hmm. So someone may think they have like 20 things wrong with them. It's really not. They're just different, you know, different manifestations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we try to get to the root, the root source of things whenever we can. And again, I, I always tell my patients, like, I'm not a pill pusher. Like there's a role for medicine and I, I prescribe medicines all the time when they're appropriate. But there's got to be a discussion about 
you know, lifestyle. Mm. There's always got to be a discussion about lifestyle in my office. And mm -hmm. if someone's not, you know, open to whatever the issue is, whether they're talking about diabetes with me or their weight or their skin, you got to talk about diet and how you manage stress and your sleep and your lifestyle and what bad habits you may or may not have. Mm -hmm. Because if you're just looking for like a pill for your answer, like I'm not your guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't go to Dr. Geller if you're just looking for Spiro. Right. Spiro. But I'll give Spiro along with the discussion uh -huh. and maybe recommend some natural things. You know, spearmint tea has been shown to help prevent acne. It treats mm -hmm. acne, probiotics, zinc. So we'll, we'll discuss it all. Most people don't want to take medicines. People, yeah. it's a different era now, you know, not like in the past where there was a pill for everything. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And even when I went on it, I went on it thinking, okay, I'm going to do this short term and figure out everything else and then go off of it which obviously work in progress, but are there, it sounds like there are kind of foundational things that you recommend to everybody, regardless of maybe what their levels show. What are some of those things? So obviously looking at nutrition, you know, do you look at like mindfulness for stress? Do you look at sleep? Like what are those things that people should look at in their own lives and make sure that they have kind of locked down? These are sort of what I call the pillars of our health, you know, mm -hmm. our sleep, our stress management, our diet, our exercise, you know, of course, our relationships with others, our leisure time, spirituality, whatever that means, means to different people. But we talk about all these things in my practice and somebody may come into me for a consult and maybe they have a thyroid nodule or some specific thing. And we're sitting in my office, kind of like you and I are sitting, I sit and we talk for like an hour and I go through all this. Sometimes they'll look at me, you know, wonder like, why is he asking me all this stuff? But it starts to become evident why it's because I don't, we can't just look at something in a vacuum. So these are all things that I think are really important that I practice in my own life and that, you know, I encourage my patients to. And stress, I would say of all these issues, like stress management is the biggest one. And my mm -hmm. patients will say, but how am I supposed to, you know, make the stress go away? You know, I have a business or I'm getting divorced or it's the pandemic. And my answer to that is always, Stress is not going to go away, but just how we, you know, deal with it is what we can modify. Mm -hmm. And I always use that image of that, that line between fear and panic, you know, and fear can be good. It can propel us and help us, you know, expand and panic is not good. Mm -hmm. And so I try to, and I, and I tell my patients like, this is what stress does to your hormones. And I list all the things that we talked about earlier mm -hmm. and really try to impress upon them that you know, good health. Yes, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort, but it, the payoff is worth it. Mm -hmm. What about trauma? This just popped in my head. Is that something that you have seen or there have been any studies where they look at like how trauma, even if it's not conscious, but if somebody had something that happened to them years ago and they're still experiencing that at some level in their body, it seems like that would affect maybe stress and then that would eventually affect hormones as well. Absolutely. And that's something that, you know, people have shared with me or trauma may, of course, just lead to underlying behaviors that are, make it harder to make, you know, the changes that someone needs to. Mm -hmm. One, one like pretty glaring example is autoimmune thyroid disease. There's a condition called Graves disease, which mm -hmm. is a hyperthyroidism. So the thyroid's revved up. People are really hot, sweaty, their heart's racing. They lose weight, which people enjoy. But <laughs> other than that, it's really not healthy. <laughs> anyway, there's very good evidence that a traumatic experience, like a major stressor, triggers the onset of Graves' disease. Mm, interesting. And I've seen that in my practice. I've had many patients with Graves, and I always ask them, you know, about this question. And many times we find there was some precipitating event. And also in patients who are in recovery, in remission from Graves' disease, but then something terrible happens in their lives or some stressor, it'll recur. Hmm. So that's just one example, but it's a pretty striking one when you see mm -hmm. it. Is there something that people can ask their doctor for? Because it seems, again, back to what I said in the beginning, based on the questions that I got and even the experience that I've had, you can kind of hit a dead end here because you go to your doctor, you get your hormones tested, everything is within normal range with whatever lab, and that's that. But you know, we know our bodies and we know when something is off. Is there a certain test or are there certain levels that 
people can ask their doctors to check that may be a little bit more advanced than just the typical blood work that they might run? Yeah, and people do need to educate their doctors and Mm -hmm. doctors are not always receptive to that, as Mm -hmm. you know. But one important thing is testing hormones at different times of the month. For example, if we're talking about estrogen and progesterone, some doctors will do a random one, but you have to know where the patient is in their cycle, if they're having a cycle, to properly interpret the normal result. Mm -hmm. Um, Testing cortisol, which is a common thing that people want tested, there's a lot of nuances to that based on time of day or if somebody's on oral birth control and whatnot. So yes, there's lots of tests for all of these hormones, but you just need a doctor who I think is gonna listen and you know have enough competency. That's the easy part. It's really that you want someone who will listen to you and take your story and, and do the right tests that are appropriate for that situation. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like find a different doctor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're not, instead of find a test, find a doctor that yeah. is competent and they're looking at this stuff. And there's so many of these now self-administered tests, you know, places people can get their own blood tests Mm -hmm. for all these hormones, or they go to, you know, other providers, non-physicians, which again, there's, we can talk about that separately. Mm -hmm. Sometimes patients will come into me with all these tests they've ordered, but they don't have anyone to review them with, or their doctor doesn't know what to do with this information. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, that's created an interesting scenario now because patients- How do you- feel about something like a Dutch test. I, I know that those are really popular. Oh and I've heard physicians say, no, it's not accurate. And you don't really get any direction afterwards, I don't think. I don't know. I haven't done it. Well, the, the cool thing about the Dutch test, so again, with hormones, when we do a blood test, we're getting like a snapshot of time. Mm-hmm. But all of our hormones fluctuate. There's circadian rhythms for thyroid and adrenals and estrogen and everything. So the Dutch test allows you to capture through urine testing like many time points. Mm-hmm. So that does potentially give a more accurate representation of what's going on. So the concept is is right on. The hard part about the Dutch test, again, for me is I'm going to order a test if I can do something with that information to help my patient. Mm-hmm. And the Dutch test gives this like 10 page report of all these metabolites and things I haven't studied about even in medical school. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this information. It's really frustrating. Like mm-hmm. it talks about estrogen and cortisol and thyroid and, you know, that's fine. But then it talks about all these downstream metabolites that we can't really change and I don't really know what to do with basically. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a little frustrating with mm-hmm. the Dutch test. They seem to have also like a, a real like cookie cutter rubber stamp set of recommendations yes. <laughs> that I've seen, you know, they recommend DIM, which is a great supplement. They recommend, you know, the same sort of few things to everybody. Mm-hmm. So that's always a red flag to me. Mm-hmm. Sorry if the Dutch company is out there <laughs> listening. Thankfully, they're not a sponsor, so we can rip on them. Yeah, no, never. (laughs) Okay, so we talked a lot about the things to be wary of in our lifestyle. Is there anything that we can all incorporate to support our hormones universally? Um, We talked about obviously things like stress management, but you mentioned DIM. Are there other supplements? And I think this would probably depend on somebody's age, maybe whether they are in menopause or still ovulating. Um, but yeah, are there supplements or, you know, foods that we should incorporate into our lives? So, I mean, there are specific supplements for different hormone imbalances. So that would take, you know, that list would be really long, but you know, DIM is a good supplement for people that have symptoms of so-called estrogen excess or estrogen dominance. Um, Vitex is a great supplement for women who have a lot of PMS symptoms or breast tenderness. In men, there's supplements as well, like you know maca, which is also used in women, or DHEA that can improve androgens. So there's millions of supplements. But before you even get to that level, just as far as nourishing the hormone, like what ultimately makes hormones, you know, our body makes hormones from nutrients and and food. And I think having a really healthy diet, especially a lot of protein, is really important to give our body the substrate to make hormones. If we're nutritionally impaired or underweight or unhealthy, again, the body will downregulate the production of hormones in order to conserve resources for more important organs. Mm -hmm. It's like a common theme. So the classic scenario is somebody who's restrictive eating, their hormone, their thyroid goes down, their estrogen goes down, growth hormone goes down, everything suppresses. That's the body's way of trying to like, you know, conserve resources. Mm -hmm. So having a really healthy diet, lots of protein and supplementing with vitamins if needed, I'm definitely in favor of. Does protein source matter? I think you plant know, versus animal or 
I don't know that it does if you ultimately you're getting a good balance of amino acids, which, mm -hmm. you know, it's the amino acids that matter, right? Not the protein. It's the building blocks mm -hmm. that really matter. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you about something maybe controversial. I don't think it should be, but I'm curious about like ozempic and semaglutide because I have heard that people are using it kind of off-label for things like PCOS. And then obviously a lot of people are using it for weight loss. I would imagine it could affect hormones positively for people who it's appropriate for, maybe people with PCOS who have insulin resistance issues, mm -hmm. but then are people who maybe don't need it as badly or they're really not eating at all, are they then not getting the nutrients that they need to produce hormones? I have a lot of opinions about Ozempic. Okay. And I use it, I've used it a lot and I've seen fantastic results with with all those drugs, Ozempic, Manjaro, and Mugovi. Uh -huh. And in, in that group in which it's targeted, it's profound, you know, mm -hmm. the, the overweight diabetics and whatnot. But yes, a lot of people, majority of people are taking off-label. And it does, you know, whether it's PCOS or metabolic syndrome or prediabetes, it's like the rising tide that lifts all the boats. When you decrease their weight and their inflammation, even if their weight doesn't change that much, but their diet changes and they're feeling so much better. That's really profound. So, yeah. you know, we do see a lot of benefits. And the, the other really fascinating thing with these drugs, which we've noted anecdotally, but now there's science is about the addiction that they interfere with, you know, people's cravings for alcohol, mm. for drugs, and even for smoking. And that's fascinating. Yeah. So. I am very curious about that. You, I don't know if you know, but I've been sober for nine and a half years. I know people who have taken... Ozempic, Monjaro, the different ones. And they have all said, yeah, I didn't even want a glass of wine or like one of my friends didn't even want her coffee in the morning. And I just thought that was so interesting. And I wondered what that's going to do down the line, you know, whether it's going to be used off label as well to help people with cravings and I think they're going like to, I mean, I'm sure that the pharmaceuticals are seeking approval and they're doing trials to get mm -hmm. it approved just for that issue because yeah. it's, it's fascinating. And by the way, which could be a whole nother topic, I think the ultimate endocrine disruptor, and this maybe ties in towards the end of the day of mm -hmm. someone's day with endocrine disruptors before they get to their non-organic pillows with off-gassing and all that <laughs> stuff is alcohol. Alcohol mm -hmm. has got to be the most common endocrine disruptor in the world. It's not considered, we don't think of it as like a toxin like that because it's not in you know, rocket fuel or, you know, firefighting equipment or any of these other toxins. Mm -hmm. Alcohol is a classic endocrine disruptor. It disrupts really pretty much every hormone in our body. Every kind of alcohol? Any kind of alcohol. Okay. It's not, it, it, most of the studies are done in people who chronically consume alcohol, mm -hmm. but it can be small amounts on a chronic basis, but mm -hmm. it can lower thyroid growth hormone. It raises estrogen, which is okay sometimes, but not if you're a man. It lowers testosterone, it raises cortisol, it of course damages mm -hmm. the pancreas and insulin. And so alcohol really should be classified as an endocrine disruptor. Mm -hmm. I've always wondered how much damage I did to my hormones if I did irreparable damage in the time that I was drinking and using. I'm kind of laughing. I can laugh about it now because I also did copious amounts of cocaine. And I'm just thinking of the things that I probably snorted. TMI, everybody, but solution. I'm sure they were cutting it with. But is, you know, can your body recover from things like that? Not necessarily the cocaine, but like if somebody has drank a lot and they decide that they want to start implementing healthier habits into their lives is there hope. Absolutely. I mean, okay. the body, one thing about our body, it has an incredible regenerative capacity. It's mm -hmm. just a matter of like, at what point in our lives do we stop making stupid decisions, mm -hmm. you know, before it's too old to be too late. Mm -hmm. And, but, you know, I mean, literally like, you know, we have basically a copy of almost every organ. We have two kidneys and we have a giant liver that literally you can cut the liver and it'll regenerate. Mm -hmm. And the lungs, you know, in smokers after 15 years, the lungs are back or the risk of lung cancer is back to baseline. So, you know, yes, the body can regenerate. <laughs> That's great news. Um, is there a place that people can go and learn about the endocrine disruptors? Because we got like halfway through the day and then you mentioned some at night, but is there somewhere where, you know, they can go and they can learn the main ones and so they know what to look for themselves? My favorite resource is the EWG, mm -hmm. which is a great resource. They have a list called the Dirty Dozen Endocrine Disruptors, and they list these compounds like BPA and phthalates and perchlorate and what they are, 
you know, what are the sources in our, in our households and how to eliminate and avoid them. So it's really practical and they have mm-hmm. apps and that's a great one. And then there's apps out there now. I think one of them is called Yuka, where you can actually scan barcode products in the store. It'll tell you if it's good or bad or something else to use. Mm-hmm. But EWG is my go-to resource mm-hmm. for patients. Amazing. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can do a part two. We will. <laughs> Everyone. So look out for that and tell everybody where they can find you. They can find me at jordangeller.com. That's my website. I have an office here in Los Angeles as well as in Palm Beach. And I do telemedicine in New York. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. You can go to ariellaurie.com. And I'm always posting about each episode over on my personal page at Ariel Laurie. 